The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are those of the producer and those appearing in this show and do not necessarily represent the views of Dairy Cam, the town of Dairy, or any of its staff or affiliates. I can't help but feel good. I can't help but feel fine. Everything is in its place and all of it is mine. My name is Tom Donovan and I want to welcome you to our show, All Things Recovery. Here we discuss topics regarding mental health, substance abuse, treatment options, and the mental health system itself. We recover all these topics by inviting guests from all facets of, the, of recovery, treatment, enforcement, and policy. The door is wide open and we want to be a resource. We take topic suggestions and welcome feedback. This show is always dedicated to my friend and recovery warrior, Craig Barnaby, who dedicated his life to the well-being of others. So today's guest is Carol Bowden from the Friendship Center. Carol, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our guests? Okay, well, like Tom said, my name is Carol Bowden. I, um, I'm the chairman of the board of the Derry Friendship Center. We are a nonprofit organization located here in Derry. Uh, on 6 Railroad Avenue and we've been in the community since 1979 we were originally located up on East uh, I'm sorry right on Broadway um, and then we were fortunate enough to have our own building by our own building about 10 years ago yeah um, and so we're on 6 Railroad Ave now and uh, and it's, you know, it's a great organization. Basically, we, our mission is to hopefully reduce the stigma of substance nice. misuse nice. and to offer a safe and rehabilitative space for people seeking recovery in all stages of recovery. Mm -hmm. So we hold about, I'd say on the average, about 20 12-step meetings per week. Nice. Yeah. Carol, what is your position there? I am the chairman of the board. Yeah. yeah. And you said, like in our previous discussion, the majority of the people that get the, the that function in the fun, in the friendship center are volunteers, like We're yourself. All volunteers. Yeah. The only yeah. paid employees we have are our bookkeeper and our cleaning service. Yeah. That's Nobody's about it. Nobody's going to clean for free. No, right. and, I, and, and she does a nice job too. I'm getting Anastasia. And I'm sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> but that's okay. So. My question is, how did you come to be involved in the Friendship well, Center? Well, uh, the Friendship Center, I, when I first got into recovery, I, I would go to the old center. So you are in recovery yourself. Yes, yeah. yeah. And how, how long have you been so uh, it, July 4th will be 37 years. My sobriety date is July 4th. Wow. Wow. I'll have wow. Right. 21 years. Wow, yeah. That's I guess it was an important date, huh? Independence Day. Yeah, right. exactly. That's the best day. Exactly. And by the way, you were and you did become independent. I did absolutely. absolutely. That's the freedom, right? Freedom. Have, yeah, and yeah. I have to apologize. Gail is my co-host, <laughs> and she has wrote wrote a book, "The Fruit You'll Never See." I just I wanted that's my era. That's okay. But, but it's very important to know that Gail will be here at all times. So if I do forget to interview, you, you won't. We'll put it in the right <laughs> intro. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, to get back to the question, that's how I got involved right. in the Friendship Center. It really basically saved my life. And um, wow. and so when um, and so somehow I got asked to be on the board. I became the vice chair, which is basically a name only position. Do you know yeah. what I mean? 
And then when Mac uh, McCartan, who was our chair, um, uh, passed away, uh, I kind of got shoved into that position thinking, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to fill his shoes? Yeah. And not only did I fill them, but I surpassed them. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was basically I had a lot of help, but but it was just, I think, um, all the stars lined up. I, I have so many questions, but uh, it I was like you were going to say something. So. I did, yeah, I know. I was, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, how did you, like when you were in early recovery, how did you find the forensic center? How did you, how did you get there? Well, that's kind of a funny story. So um, I'm a firm believer in divine choreography. I love that phrase. Mm. And um, too, so my yeah. very first um, recovery meeting was at St. Thomas, which was the Dairy Original. Yeah. And I had the book, and I saw that there was a meeting at 10 p.m. that night at the Friendship Center, but I had no idea where it was. So I'm driving up and down Broadway, and finally I see the little sign in the window, and I take one look at it, and I think, I'm not going in there. That place looks like a dive. Right? <laughs> so, but you know what? I went in first thing Monday morning because I needed to. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's how I found it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, the Friendship Center, I mean, I, I love that idea. I'm from Gloucester, Mass. We never, we weren't able to ever get together enough, um, I don't know if it was community support or whatever, but to come up, to get a location that's dedicated is not the easiest thing right. to do. In Aruba, they have like a clubhouse. In Hawaii, there. they yeah. have, you know, there, they have yeah. clubhouses. But mm -hmm. in, in this area, yeah. you know, or in Massachusetts, they're, they're few and far in between. So my questions are really about how does that maintain, you know, how, where does that, the con where yeah. did the contributions come from and how was that um, location gifted? Was it? Uh, no, um, it was started by about four men back in 79. They they were meeting at Beaver Lake Lodge, um, which is, oh, by Beaver Lake. I don't know exactly mm. where it is, but they felt that they needed their own space. And so they rented that location on East Broadway. Yeah. Um, it looked like a storefront, didn't it? it? Yeah, it was, yeah, I, I it was basically yeah. just a very small space, but um, but it just kind of, word got out, and it just kind of grew, and grew, and grew, and and so finally, um, we thought, wouldn't it be nice to have our own building, because the landlady, if you look at the building, I'm not saying she's kind of a slumlord, but... I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, like Gail, I do remember the building. But anyway, but those four dumpy. men got it together, yeah. and that's how it started to grow. Yeah. And the donations. We don't, we don't take any, we are strictly a grassroots organization. We don't take any out, uh, government funding. So it's kind of along the lines of AA's principles as far as. Yes, yeah, outside donations. Yeah. 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 And we do get grants. We've applied for grants, mm -hmm. and, and, and a few people have have given us money, but uh, mostly it's, and the meetings that attend do pay rent. Right. So that helps, but we would never be able to sustain it with just the rent from the groups. So we have fundraisers during the year. Um, we can raise somewhere, anywhere between 
eighteen and twenty-five thousand dollars wow. per year, wow. which is just about what our operating costs are. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So you mean like as far as, well, the mortgage and is there still there must still be a mortgage? Yep, and we then have a mortgage. Electricity yeah. and mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Is, hmm. yeah. What kind of services do you offer there? Mostly um, twelve-step recovery meetings. We don't have any, quote, professionals. Okay. But there is an organization called Revive out mm. of Nashua. Yep, I know And they well. rent uh, office space from us. Oh, okay. Nice. So they're open every day from Monday through Friday, 11 <coughs> to 3. So if someone were to walk in looking for help, they would be on the premises. Oh, and they have so their awesome. finger on the pulse. Yeah. But mostly we are just peer-to-peer um, -peer recovery support. So they're a recovery organization, like an they ICO. Yeah. yeah, I know they're based out of Nashua, um, yeah. and they do some really great yep. work. So it's yep. a separate entity, but it must help. It does. Right, the cost, like that's. It does, because they right. pay us rent too. Right. Yeah. And, and it keeps the center open during the day, yeah. if someone were to walk in looking for help. And at, well, as you're talking, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about ways to be able to do something like that. Wasn't that similar to what you did in yeah, Salem? So, we, well, not me, but I worked for the doorways in New Hampshire, which is an access point. I thought you had started well, an I, organization I with... started a um, nonprofit that hope, Fight to Rise, that will hopefully pay for people to get into treatment. It's actually named after Craig Barnaby. Mm -hmm. I, I recall um, a, a location yeah. where there were meetings. Oh, yeah, I had an office that... Um, we were doing private practice, but we had meetings. We were offering Oh, I see. Meetings. So you just helped. You just and if people came and went to a meeting, but also too, if they needed help, I mean, we would direct them to the right place. Because yeah. I would love for that to be more of a an option, because I mean, there are meetings, but there aren't ongoing meetings in one location, like at a clubhouse well, or, right. a, or a friendship center, or you know. Well, right. part of the other premise of of the Craig Barnaby Center Fight to Rise is you know, is very similar based off of, of what the Friendship Center is doing. You want, you know, it's for those people that come in and where do I go? Right. And, but it also is, was an, is inclusive of people with mental health as well. You know, because exactly. the doorways are a great system. It's a great idea for people to come in and say, I need help. But it's, it, it's substance abuse specific. Right. So if you're, I mean, not that they would, say, oh, your mental health, you've got to get out of here, but their mission is primarily substance abuse only. But they, they still do their best to accommodate people. I mean, it, it, it really is a great idea on yeah. the surface. It reminds but, me of like an Alcathon. And for those who don't know what an Alcathon is, it's a 24-hour meeting right. for like during um, the holiday times when mm -hmm. people need a meeting. Well, we also have, besides the Alcathon, we also have a Thanksgiving dinner as well and I tell yeah. people if you have nowhere to go or you have somewhere to go and you don't want to go there you're welcome to come nice. to our place for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I've yeah. also been at the Friendship Center too and, and involved when you have had some civic meetings too in mm -hmm. some different mm -hmm. groups. Yep. You know mm -hmm. do you do that often and what's the Not purpose so of those? so much lately since COVID I think um, you know things have changed a little bit but um, no, not so much lately. We haven't, but we, we do have, um, you know, we have fund. Like just recently, we had this thing called Music Bingo, nice. and we raised 
a little over twelve thousand dollars. Wow! Which wow. was and it was so much fun. That's so yeah. So we try to get and and some of the community, like our community partners, you know, CLM showed up to play nice. music bingo. The first parish church nice. showed up. Was that just one event, like one day? Yeah, one night, yeah. one night. Yeah, that's remarkable. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah we're very fortunate indeed. Yeah. We but are. we were talking before that. They're an established organization, and they've been around right. for 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have that reputation and credence within the community and doing great work. Well, I, I mean, think, oh, I'm sorry. I, didn't no, mean I think that the community is starting to recognize us as a mm -hmm. resource. <clears throat> and I think the conversation about substance misuse is changing. I do, too. It used to be a moral issue, and now it's more of a health issue. Right. People are starting to recognize it as a health issue. And that's what we try to um, tell people when they come in. Yeah. You know, you didn't wake up one day and said, I have, I'm bored. I have nothing better to do. I'm ruin right. my whole I life. think I'm just going to ruin my whole <coughs> life. Right. Uh, right. No, just the opposite, right? Right. And, and so it's, yeah, I think the conversation is changing. So people are starting to recognize the value that we have. Well, and I think a part of that is to be free from shame, you know, mm -hmm. and to be vocal. And mm -hmm. like us, you know, being here, and I have no problem telling the world that I'm clean and sober. Mm -hmm. I have no problem Likewise. letting people write. Like, right. we have this history, and that's that changes the stigma, that changes that moral right. attitude, right. you right. know, toward, because we're, we're regular, well, maybe not normal. In my case, I don't necessarily classify that way, but... But, but I like, we're okay. we were talking about your joke. And again, to reiterate right. your joke you said about the lawyer, the cop, and the, and, and the felon. The felon yeah. But it just goes to show you again, to remind people, it's all walks of life. And we were all sitting and in the same section, too. right? And authors, too. And, and CEOs and COOs, and we're, we're all impacted by this. And I agree, Carol. I do think that the stigma is reduced somewhat, but it's... You know, there's still judgment out there. Well, there is judgment because people do really crappy things to other people when they're right. in the throes. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we've done maybe some not so moral things, right. but that doesn't mean that it is a moral issue. It just means right. that it's Good the point. addiction part of it that creates that scenario. I agree. However, I know. <laughs> when there are people, you know, that because, because, you know, I do criminal defense, so the, the yeah. victims of those crimes don't feel, know. you know, know. They, they feel that moral right. anger. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah, so, and it's hard to, you know, when somebody keeps doing it over and over again, it's that, right. you know, that level right. of frustration. Right. And that's, it's a tough thing to, to grasp. It is. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a really difficult concept. It is, yeah. And again, we haven't even begun to have, wait till our show comes on the criminal justice system, but, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. but I think they've done a lot, too, to try to move forward and treat addiction and mental health the way they should. Like you said, it, those behaviors sometimes come out as a result of those two things, mental health and, and substance abuse. That's a great segue into another question. Please, I <laughs> about love the Friendship Center. So, how about issues? Have there been any? Like, do, are the cops, um, we'll say police, yeah, <laughs> are the police you cops? Say that you you must have been reading my mind. So, yeah. uh, during COVID, we had this one fellow that walked in, and I was 
telling Tom earlier, during COVID, we um, really paid very close attention to protocols. Uh, we um, separated the <coughs> chairs six feet apart. We had people wearing masks. We had people signing in in case we needed to contact people. I, I came people. to the dairy center. I mean, the, the Friendship Center one time during that time. Okay. So, yeah. So we had this one fellow walk in, and I think he came in, <clears throat> you know, looking for a fight. Yeah. Because he, A, refused to sign in, B, refused to wear a mask, and very quietly, I went up to him and I said, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're going to have to wear a mask, and, um, you know, some expletives came out, right? Mm -hmm. So... I said, well, then I, I, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to call the authorities. And so I did. And, but I asked them to come in through the back door as to not right. disrupt the whole meeting. Right. And they did. And, and, and they brought him outside and, and they asked us, you know, do you want to press charges? Because I guess trespassing would be the thing. <clears throat> and I said, no, we're not here to hurt people. Right. We're here to help people. And I'll tell you what, if he puts a mask on right now, He's welcome to come back in. I love it. I so you're still using masks? No. Oh, oh. No, this was back during... Oh, oh that you said but, it to that man. But we very okay. rarely had to call the police. <clears throat> right. uh, I mean, I think then the whole time we've been up and running, maybe even at the old place, maybe we've probably on one hand we've called the well, police. I just thought of another question. What is your... Do you have collaborative relationships? Mm -hmm. with the police, mm -hmm. with the fire, in the courts, and, and what does that look like? I don't know about the courts, but we definitely have collaborative relationships with the police because we had met with the chief of police and gave him our information mm. and told him that if you have anyone that you arrest or, or would even consider needing help, give him nice. our information, right? <clears throat> and um, we have a really close relationship with CLM. Um, the fire department, yeah, we, you know, I, I would say so, not so much the fire department, but they know who we are. Because yeah, we get an inspection every year, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. That yeah. makes sense. It does. And, and again, getting the word out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love the fact that if someone is at the station and has a substance abuse <coughs> concern, they're provided those resources. Right, exactly. I wonder if they do. Have you had anybody come to you and say, oh, I got this information from the police or... No. I mean, it would be nice. Yeah. I don't know if they would actually... Right. Follow through with right. it. Right. Right. In your experience, do you think that they would? No. Because a lot of times, you know, they're either still under the influence or they're still, you know... Uh, well, I also depend what the charge is sometimes. True. That's true. You know, um... I had, when I was a police officer, I had my wife's cousin, and he was addicted to opioids, and he would shoplift. And every time he would shoplift, he did not go easy. Mm. He was combative. He was a fighter. And it was yeah, I've had a lot of not just one, it would be he'd take on five. Mm -hmm. And then he'd come, and it was, I need help. And then I'd go and I'd talk to him, and... You know, I tried to help him, but, you know, when it was, the pressure was on at that particular time, he wanted help. But once he got out, no, he went right mm -hmm. back. So it wasn't his time. Mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't ready yet. Yeah. But what eventually, in his case, what eventually, and we talk a little bit, why do people seek treatment? What eventually happened with him is 
I actually knew he was wanted, and I just happened on all places. A cop at Dunkin' Donuts. I saw him in a car with a group of people, and I knew he was wanted in both Mass and New Hampshire. He ended up doing four years in New Hampshire. Wow. And then four years in Mass, which goes to show you there was such a... We talk about those addictive behaviors that just... Right. But the cool thing about that is once he got up, he got clean, he got sober, mm -hmm. he had four kids, he had a job, he did well. But, again, part of recovery, too, is that whole process, body, mind, and spirit. That means I got to take care of my health. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to take care of my mental health. But he didn't do the health piece. And eventually hepatitis and things eventually took, took him out. He, he ended up passing away from, mm -hmm. you know. Sober. Sober, though. Mm -hmm. but, but, um, but the amazing <clears throat> things, and, it's, and it was really cool. I was just at an event the other day, and, and I was talking to his daughter. And she's going into the mental health mm -hmm. and substance abuse field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a huge field now. And she was looking. Yeah, and it, it's a huge field, and there's such a shortage. And she's looking now to make a difference because, and I'm, and she didn't say this, but it, you know, she saw her father continue to work on himself and, mm -hmm. and to heal right. and to do things, and it probably had a positive influence on her. Yeah. Could have been the opposite. Right, right. So I have a question. Um, is it strictly AA, or are there other kinds of meetings? Uh, we deal with recovery, 12-step recovery, so it can be anything. So it can nice. be any 12-step program. Exactly, yeah. any 12-step program, yeah. And we even have a church that rents from us, um, and they do um, something called Broken People. Um, huh. It's sort of aligned with 12 steps and the Bible. I prefer to think we're not broken, just bent. Right. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. So what about anything, how about the families of... Well, we're currently trying to get an Al-Anon meeting up and running. Um, there's a young girl that I know, and her and I have been in conversation uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, what is that? I mean, we know what Al-Anon is. I think that would be oh, a great idea. Al-Anon is for families and friends of people um, that are in, either in alcohol, either recovering from alcoholism or in the throes of alcoholism or drug addiction. Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, so we're trying to get that up and going, yep. So in all this discussion, the key to recovery is what? What do you think, Carol? What is helpful in getting people mm. towards that recovery? That's such a big question. It is. It really is, yeah. So the key and I didn't to phrase it right. Uh, well, um, I would say, are you talking about somebody coming in and getting well? well? So let's say, let's say ongoing recovery. What is one thing that helps people to stay Clean into? Clean and sober. I think, um, you know, I think when they see the hope, yeah. you know, when they see the hope. I mean, I know when I first came in, I saw people smiling, laughing, having a great time. And I thought, well, maybe if it's working for them, it might work for me. But it's also the support. That, oh, wasn't, the, that, that, was, that wasn't my experience. No, huh? no, no, because I thought that I was different than them. That it might work for them, but it's not going to work for me. Mm. And me too. I, in my experience too, because I was a cop, mm -hmm. and I walked into a meeting where 
Number one, I didn't feel comfortable. (laughs) Right, I didn't feel comfortable. And I tell this story quite often. I was involved in this big sting operation, which involved um, the U.S. Postal Service years ago. And front page of the paper, click, click. There's your picture with this guy. Mm -hmm. And I end up sitting next to him in Mm a 12-step meeting. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and he says, I hated you, Mm -hmm. but you saved my life. Those mm-hmm. barriers come right down. And, but it was, the, yeah, he, and, and you know what's funny, the, not funny, but <clears throat> even in that particular time, they could have really criminally, and because it was federal agency, they saw that as these poor guys, these poor folks of having an addiction. And then they were able to get their treatment and keep their jobs and support their families. And it was, it was an amazing process because... Postal federal could have gone really bad. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it was it was great to see that the people that made the decision decided that this isn't some big drug cartel conspiracy. These are people that are struggling with addiction. Right. Well, and so when I said that my experience was different, that it, that I thought yeah. it wouldn't work for me, that's exactly what I'm dealing with today with somebody that she can see other people having success but mm-hmm. she doesn't think that it's going to mm-hmm. be that's going to work her. for her yeah well you know we had a guy um a couple of weeks ago that came in and he had gone out and drank and you know mm. um and people talk about slips and this that and the other thing relapse and you know and i get the lingo you know but i tell them you just weren't finished you know you weren't done yeah. when you're done you'll be done and hopefully you're still alive. And hopefully you don't hurt yourself or anyone else in the process. Right. What additionally right? I teach is, you know, what have you learned from it? Take take the relapse or take the experience and, and um, you know, what can you do to move forward? You know, relapse is an opportunity. It's a learning opportunity. We don't want to have them. Maybe they need to have that to convince right. themselves exactly. this is the very last I, I time. I try to hammer home. My, my mantra is um, you, have to, you have to change the way you respond to the world. Like you have to change the way you respond to the world. Like your responses to the world have not served you. Right. <laughs> Clearly, you know, for whatever right. reason. Yeah, but that happens over time, though, don't you think? Well, but it has to start. It has, it has to start. To start right. Because right. that's the first thing, right? Making a different choice. Awareness. Not to pick up. Because that's a different response to the world, right? right? I mean, my response was always that was my go-to. That was yeah. what was going to yeah. fix me. But it's there's just no easy answer. You know, there's no clear. Not really. You know, I mean, we hear it all, right? I mean, people's bottoms range anything from breaking a shoelace right. to killing somebody. And then thrown in jail, Right, and everything and yeah. anything in between. Yeah. You know, everyone's bottom is different, and... Um, and it takes what it takes. My bottom was that they just simply stopped working. Right. I, threw, right. I, I took something and threw it up. Right. And that was wow. it. That was, I could, That's I, it amazing. Was, my body said no. My body said absolutely yeah. not. We're done. That's amazing. Thankfully, because I don't know that I'd be sitting here today um, otherwise. Mine was an ultimatum. You know, if you want to live here, you have to <laughs> stop a, drinking. Right. Well, I got into another 12-step program <clears throat> prior. It was called Emotions Anonymous. Really? And I, yeah, and I would go to that every week, and little by little, uh, it just started, the 12 steps started, like, poking me on they the back. They permeated that. Yeah, yeah saying, come on, let's go. And then eventually two men showed up one night at the EA meeting, and they were both 
from another 12-step group. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I knew it was time to, um, to go and stop drinking. So, um, yeah, that's how it oh, was for me. Had... You know, yeah. It got me before I got it. So this has been an awesome conversation. And if people need help, Carol, where can they go? Find the friendship. Well, we have a website, uh, thedairyfriendshipcenter.org. Uh, our telephone number is 603-432-9794. And you're welcome to come in at any time. Um, uh, 6 Railroad Avenue, uh, come and see us, hang out, come to a meeting. All of our meetings are listed on our website and the kind of meeting it is, the time. And, um, yeah, and we'd love to have you if you're struggling and you need help. And Gail. I mean, and um, Carol, thank you for Oh, for thank you for having me. So in closing, please continue to tune in. Um, we are here to provide resources. If you are in crisis, dial 911 to, to seek services in New Hampshire called 211. And if you're suicidal, call 988, the suicide crisis line. Ask for help, seek support, and don't do this recovery thing alone. opinions expressed in this presentation are those of the producer and those appearing in this show and do not necessarily represent the views of Dairy Cam, the town of Dairy, or any of its staff or affiliates.